Welcome on to The Backstretch. I'm News 5's Heather Williams. We are another week closer to the NASCAR playoffs and another first-time winner in 2022. Kevin Harvick has entered the chat. And I think people have really messed up now. I mean, you let a guy like Kevin Harvick, who was down, who was not going to make the playoffs, you let him win a race and automatically he becomes a contender. He's a guy who knows how to how to pull rabbits out of hats, how to finish races, how to compete when he doesn't have the best car. And now he's in the mix, or at least for now. We still have three weeks to go. We only have one driver at the moment in on points. That is Ryan Blaney. Martin Truex Jr. on the outside looking in. Bubba Wallace on the outside looking in. Eric Jones on the outside looking in. Michael McDowell. All of those guys can win races in the next three weeks and probably a little bit few more like Chris Buescher. I didn't even mention him. He's running just about as well as anyone. Then you've got a guy like Brad Keselowski who's had a terrible year. But Keselowski is great at Daytona and great at the super speedways. So it's going to get wild these last three races. I expect some really competitive racing. I think you started to see it a little bit last week. Guys are not going to give nearly as much. I mean, guys were cutting close, cutting in close, you know, cutting people off to get in line so they don't lose several positions if they make an ill-advised move. So I think it's going to be fun. I think the playoffs have really made these last few races count, count for something. uh, And I think that that's great. I do think it's kind of interesting since Truex is the last guy out or the first guy out on points that cars that run really well and consistently may not make the playoffs. It's part of what it is. I mean, if you look at college football, for instance, a team can go undefeated and not make the playoffs. If you look at football, a seven-win team might win the AFC East and a 12-win team might miss the playoffs in the West. I mean, that's just kind of the way it goes in sports. You have to be the best within the rules, not just, you know, better than everybody else. Bad teams make the playoffs over good teams all the time in other sports. I think NASCAR fans aren't necessarily used to that because the way the playoffs were set up for years and years and years, it valued consistency more than wins. But I don't really see a team in the playoffs right now that hasn't at times run, run well enough, at times run well enough to win the championship. I mean, even a guy like Austin Sendrick, who, you know, or Chase Briscoe, the younger guys that people go, well, I don't know. I mean, at times, both those teams have run really well, um, just as good as anyone with this new car. So I don't know. I, I kind of like the winning you get in. I think it adds drama. Look at how the end of the season's going to go right now. I mean, it's just, it's crazy. And we might have 18 winners and 16 spots so when that happens it does go back to consistency by the way you know because it goes on the point so the most consistent people are going to get in but I think it's fun I think it's interesting we talk about a little bit with Chris uh my guest this week another driver I didn't even mention that has a chance to win especially at Daytona and really turn the playoffs on their ear it's Ricky Stenhouse Jr. we'll talk about you know trying to pinpoint those races you can win at for a a medium-sized team and what the what the new car has meant to his team, as well as we're to talk a little dirt racing with the Knoxville Nationals this week and his team and why he feels it's important uh, to stay involved in the dirt racing community. So that's what we got. Let's get rolling with Chris. 
I'm joined, as always, by our crew chief, Chris Carrier, who also happens to be the crew chief for the number 75 food country truck in the Camping World Truck Series. Chris, Happy Harvick is back, breaking a 65 race winless streak with a win at Michigan. Not many people saw this coming, the way the fours run this season, but have they messed up now by letting Kevin into the playoffs? And how much of a postseason threat is he? he he's, I'm telling you, there's guys right now saying, uh-oh. <laughs> you know, we have let a guy, we have let maybe the meanest snake in the in the room, and that's not derogatory, but um, he, momentum is everything. Huge win for him at Michigan in front of the Ford people. And, you know, he did it after a really good recent record there, you know, at Michigan. And Ford's record there is, is kind of incredible as far as winning races. But um, th this, he has now punched the ticket. Um, I, I guarantee they're sitting there rubbing their hands. Cannot wait, you know, till playoff time in places like Bristol. You know, uh, this guy knows how to win. And he made a comment during his post-race post interview, uh, something about, uh, he was asked about people that counted him out or people that thought they had just given up. And, and he, he, just, he just said it very bluntly, very straightforward. said, people that know us know we don't give up or we don't, you know, don't count us out. So the confidence is there and that that's going to be a team to reckon with throughout the rest of playoffs and give us 15 winners heather i mean at another spot uh one spot left for somebody that's that's uh, either going to win or get it on points and i think it's going to be another winner the toyotas were fast this weekend but they did not come away with the win the same thing happened a few times this year i think most recently at nashville is there a reason that the toyotas haven't been able to close the deal or has it just been kind of luck I, I, I don't believe it's all luck. Uh, if you watched the race and saw uh, what happened with Denny Hamlin, you know, he, they, they put up a statistic there during the race that he's leading the season with, I think it was 31 in-race penalties. You know, uh, uh, I think he had the fastest car. I think he had the best chance to win the race, possibly. He had a great chance to win the race. But on a pit stop, just, you know, a tire rollaway, go out of the pit stall and then somebody without a uniform step onto pit road and caught the tire, that's, that's not going to get away. And it just it put him uh, way back. He had to pass a lot of cars to get back to third. He was visibly disappointed. Um, some of their other teams have done the same type stuff. And yes, you're right. Some of it has been just plain old bad luck. So they've just got to get their get their rocks all in one sock and just and just go forward and start start dotting the i's crossing the t's getting the details covered and put a whole race together and if they do that during the playoffs they're going to be hard to beat so but you got to you got to get all those details man and they they have given Denny said it after the race you know they've given too much away this year and uh, that's hard to do it's hard to take it's hard to swallow Speaking of after the race, Bubba Wallace took a little heat for his emotional post-race interview because he was upset about finishing second. He's certainly not the first driver to be upset about finishing second, probably won't be the last. Does he have the right to be emotional after this race, or should he just be more thankful for having such a good car this weekend? I never saw Dale Earnhardt Sr. happy finish second after a race. And uh, 
you know, I, some of great athletes don't, they don't like losing, they don't like not being their best. Everybody, every human being deals with it differently. Bubba Wallace has a lot of pressure on him for, for many reasons. Okay, he, he's, he feels the heat, and I think he puts a tremendous amount of heat on himself personally. Comes from inside. That, that, I think that's pretty obvious. I, you know, I like that passion. You know, I, I, I don't, I think with him, if that's what makes him tick, if that's what makes him be that much more, have that much more desire the next time to go out, he's not happy with finishing second. Um, there's nothing wrong with that. And I don't think it's because he doesn't appreciate the opportunity he's got. Let's face it, he drives for Denny Hamlin and Michael Jordan. And he's in, I think it's safe to say, he's in the best equipment he's ever been in in his career. This is a big time in his career. He's got a bright future ahead of him. And the biggest thing is they are like, steamrolling through this last month or so of the season. Their team is getting better. They're running better during the races. They're getting better finishes. Again, they just have some details. They've got to finish some little pieces of the puzzle. And I think he's going to be in victory lane before the playoff starts. I think he will be. I'm going to predict that the 23 will win a race before the playoff starts and maybe somebody else too. Well, three races to go, and there have been 15 winners, as you mentioned. Only 16 make the postseason. How much trouble are Ryan Blaney and Martin Truex Jr. in, and should some of those guys be nervous with just one win as well? Yes, yes, and yes. Uh, uh, Martin Truex, I think, is one of those guys that uh, there's going to be a lot of pressure on him, I think, going into this weekend. There's going to be high expectations because he personally and that team has done well at Richmond in the past, Have a, has a great track record there, has had some dominating win performances there, not with this car. So what they can do to translate that information till now, the next-gen car come this weekend, is, is going to be huge. I, I think their best chance to get in is, is this weekend at Richmond. And then we have Watkins Glen and Talladega, which, you know, Martin Truist can, can run good on a road course. He's not, don't count him out. And anybody can win at Talladega. So, but I think he and Blaney are both, I, if I were both of them, I would be, I, I would be very nervous. I would be very antsy right now. I would, uh, you know, I'm sure those guys are turning up the wick in every way they can to try to get a win in these next three races. And, and, you know, I think possibly both of them might, plus somebody else. You know, you talk about Michael McDowell or somebody like that. Anybody can win at Daytona Speedway race. So, whoo, man, keep, keep, stay tuned. This is going to be pretty exciting. NASCAR heads to the Commonwealth for the Federated Auto Parts 400, a three-quarter mile short track. Chris, what are the keys to getting around Richmond? I think the biggest thing is just keeping up with that racetrack all night. It's a it's a short track. It's a, it's a three quarter mile. Uh, not a lot of banking. Uh, a little a trialable front straightaway. The track surface is very old. Uh, they're using the resin and and grip spray, whatever you want to call it, to try to put more grip in the thing. Uh, lap times fall off pretty quickly on tires during every run. Uh, the drivers have to be very patient. They had good communication, patience, and diligence in, in, the, in the 
driver's uh, relationship with the crew chief is going to be very, very critical to try to keep up with these things. You know, some of them are in a, you know, this is a pressure-packed situation for a lot of teams, a lot of drivers. It's been a long year. It's hot. It's, you know, it's very easy to get agitated and aggravated. And I think now, I think a big key is going to be for, okay, everybody stay calm. Talk to one another. Let me help you. Let you help me and we'll get the best finish we can out of this thing. Uh, just keeping balance, front to rear balance, turning ability in the thing, good forward drive coming off. It's not easy. That's a lot. That's a lot. And you got to take care of your brakes. So um, it's it's a tough place to win a race at. So, uh, but I think that I think that to be to be competitive, you're going to have to keep that communication with your crew chief and the team, and try not to get behind on pit stops because you make a mistake, you're done. Joining us now is Ricky Stenhouse, Jr., driver for JTG Doherty in the Cup Series. First of all, Ricky, thanks for joining us. Yeah, not a problem. Thanks for having me on. So uh, this year for you, I know it's probably not been the the, the greatest year you've ever had in your career, but uh, you're trans also transitioning from a one car from a two car team to a one car team. How difficult has that transition been for you guys? I mean, I, I'm, I'm guessing you lose a lot of information and a lot of a lot of stuff that makes it easier for a driver. Yeah, we've had some really good, uh, you know, points of the year where we felt like you know things were going good, but then yeah, we've had some low points as well. And you know, I think switching from two teams to one team in the off season. You know, it was a good thing. Uh, we were focused on our car and we were able to, you know, focus on one team. But now that the season's going, I feel like we're feeling some of those, um, you know, those uh, benefits of having, you know, teammates. And so, you know, we, um, so yeah, it's been a struggle. Uh, like you said, we got one data point every week that, you know, we don't, um, you don't, we don't get multiple, um, you know, setups on a weekend, uh, that my teammate and I could go through. So it's just, um, it's a, been a little bit tougher, I think, than, than we thought it was going to be. Are you excited about the possibility in the next three weeks? I know, especially at Daytona, that's an excellent chance for you. You're one of the best, uh, uh super speedway racers that's out there. I mean, you guys have got to be, um, <clears throat> chomping at the bit to get to that race at least and then there's also some opportunities with the road course and the strategies and also a short track yeah I mean like uh you know I felt like we got better at the road courses so um you know at Indy we had a way better road course car I felt like setup wise than we had at you know Road America or Sonoma I felt like we've gained a little bit in that department looking forward to going back to Richmond I think you know, to kind of see like, hey, we've we've been here once, you know, now we're going again, you know, what we learned, you know, has that, you know, is that going to play uh, into our favor and, and be better and, and perform better? And uh, I don't think we'll go from where we were at Richmond to like all of a sudden winning Richmond, but, you know, you just want to see a progress in the right direction. And then, like you said, Daytona, you know, I felt like we were in position to win the 500 there with, you know, five laps to go. And, uh, it didn't work out for us, but uh, excited to get back to Daytona for sure. This next gen car, it seems like it's a little bit of a blessing and a curse for the for the kind of mid level teams. I mean, it's it's leveled the playing field, which means any weekend you can show up and be good. But it's also leveled the playing field, which means there were so many drivers all bunched up right on top of each other. Yeah, I mean, it's for sure. I think going to be a good thing for uh, for the smaller teams later on down the road when. 
um, you know, the parts and pieces are staying the same of the car. Uh, all the information that we're learning, you know, as a single car team and uh, no big manufacturer support. Um, you know, all of our, you know, our notebook is small compared to, you know, the bigger teams right now. Uh, but, you know, we're continuing to build that and just trying to get better every week and take a little bit from this week and add it to next week and, you know, continue that process of, of learning. And, um, you know, like I said, building a notebook, whether it be, Hey, this was really good this week or, Hey, that was really bad. Let's don't do that again. <laughs> so do you think, I mean, there's already been so many winners, but because of what you just said and everybody building a notebook and, and some of the smaller to mid-level teams, you know, getting better the second time around, do you think that, especially when we hit the playoffs and hit repeat winners that we might see some non-playoff drivers or some guys that haven't already won, maybe win the second half of the season? I definitely think that's a good possibility. I think, you know, uh, I mean, I feel like you see one team, one car kind of hit like the perfect setup, you know, that weekend. I felt like, you know, this past weekend you had a, a group of cars that were, you know, by far uh, better than everybody else. But then you had, you know, obviously the four car who was, uh, pretty good all weekend, but it's like they hit it perfect. They called the right strategy, got out front, uh, and was able to get the win when uh, everybody kind of had them, you know, written off as far as you know being able to to win a race. So um, yeah, anything's possible. I think you know there's a lot of good teams and cars that haven't won yet, and uh, you know definitely you know, some good racetracks for you know different drivers throughout the rest of the year. Now, are you running Knoxville this weekend? I'm not. I'm going. You're going? Uh, you're to run. Yes. All right. Well, I did want to talk to you a little bit about your dirt team. Uh, you were one of the first guys to really, you know, be crossed over to own a dirt team, to, to run some dirt races. Um, how important is that relationship and that that keeping a, a, a toehold in that community for you? Yeah, it was huge. It's, it's what got me my start, uh, you know, in uh, and, you know, a, a path to, uh, you know, racing. Uh, and NASCAR was, you know, I was a kid that wanted to race dirt cars and uh, I was doing that and I thought that's what I was going to do for a living and, uh, you know, a year after high school, Tony Stewart hired me to race for his dirt team and, you know, then that transitioned into, you know, NASCAR racing and then, you know, it gave me the opportunity to, you know, turn around and uh, give back to the sport that, you know, I felt like, you know, helped me get to where I am and so, uh, I really have a lot of fun having our NOS Energy Drink 17 team on the, the World of Outlaws tour. I mean, I get to watch them every weekend uh, online. And, and so that's, you know, something good for me uh, to be able to have and, and you know, to do and, and feel like I'm giving back and, you know, giving people opportunities as well. Do you ever get to get back in the car? I do. Uh, not as often as I would like yet, but um, my dad and I have a, a sprint car that we run, uh, occasionally, and then I'll also go out and, uh, you know, run some, uh, USAC dirt midgets as well. I did that this past weekend in Indianapolis. Uh, it's always good to get back and race the dirt cars. So for my final thought today, I want to talk about Kurt Busch and his continuing struggle to, recover from this concussion that he got a few weeks back. Um, you know, this was something that wasn't really talked about in NASCAR until Dale Earnhardt Jr. Uh, stepped away the car for a similar type head injury. Uh, he missed several races. And really, but really more importantly, he 
brought to the community an awareness that this is something that you really have to take seriously and something that drivers need to not be ashamed about, you know, missing races. It's not weak. This is not the the 1980s where Ricky Rudd is taping his eyes open to race, which I love Ricky Rudd, but that was just an incredibly stupid decision and something dumb to make. And you're talking to someone, the first driver I ever knew and liked was Ricky Rudd. So um, I'm not calling Ricky Rudd stupid. It was the, it was the times, but uh, these days we know better. And so we have to do better. I'm hoping that Kurt Busch can get back in the car at some point this year. Head injuries are a funny thing. I, I think I've talked about this before. Um, a coworker of mine um, at another station owned by our group also, I, I got hit at a football game um, two years ago, uh, a year and a half ago during COVID, uh, knocked to the ground, bloody lip, bruise on my chest. Thankfully, no head injury. Um, I never even had a headache, which if you have seen the video, it's hard to believe that that was all that happened. But I was very lucky. I was very, you know, lucky in the fact that my head didn't whip and and my it didn't hit the ground very hard. I kind of took the brunt of the injuries different places in my body, in my in my mouth, in my in my chest, but not in my head. Um but this other person that I work with, they had kind of a similar injury. They were hit at a football game and they experienced something much closer than what Kurt Bush is going on. They missed several months of work in and out trying to get you know, adjusted to sensitivity of light and, and the ear ringing and all the things that go on when you have a, a hand injury like this. So everybody responds differently. And I hope this is not the way it ends for Kurt Busch. You know, I think that as this goes on a little bit longer and he's up in age, Kurt and I are pretty close to the same age. He's actually a little bit younger than me. But I think that as this lingers on, you start to question, do I really want to do this? Because I'll be honest, when I got hit that time, and I didn't even end up with a head injury, I thought, you're 48 years old. Well, at the time, I was 47 years old. Do you really want to be standing on the sideline risking injury? And I came to the conclusion, yes, but maybe not as much. And maybe, you know, maybe that's what Kurt decides. Maybe he decides he wants to go part-time racing. Maybe he decides he wants to go do, go join Jim, Jimmy and go IndyCar racing. You know, he was very good at that when he tried it. But it does make you question whether or not you want to keep doing this. So I hope that he heals up quickly. I hope that he can decide you know, what's best for him in his health and, and going forward in his life. He's been told he has a position at 2311 doing whatever he, you know, wants to do once he retires. So I don't, I don't think that that's a concern for him, but I'm just happy that the sport has started to take this seriously. And really, you know, he doesn't have a choice as to whether or not he wants to get into a car. And that's a good thing. Um, Cause we really don't need to be making those kind of decisions about our health, any of us, because I think most people who are competitive want to do it no matter what. And that really shouldn't be our decision. It really should be made by a healthcare professional. So wishing Kurt the best. Hope to see him back at the track soon and hope to see you next week on the backstretch.